So as normally goes on Father's Day, I, I give you a Father's Day gift where you don't have to listen to me the whole time. First service, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. First service, are like, whoop. I'm like, you guys, you guys are so wonderful. I totally appreciate it. Uh, if you are new to Element this morning, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are also sermon notes on the community tables around the room. You get a smartphone. You get an app called Uversion. You click on Live. brings us up by GPS. You get all the notes and all that stuff on your smartphone. As you notice, Donald's over here, and he's doing announcements by his iPhone. And I'm like, oh, that's working out okay for once. So it's good. So uh, th- this morning, I'm going to introduce you guys. His name is Trevor. Uh, at Element, we push gospel communities, uh, community groups very, very strongly. And what we do on top of that to try and strengthen those is we have actually coaches. And the coaches work with the gospel community leaders to try and help strengthen them and, and walk them in the direction that we want them to go to, to help people that are in all these different groups. And Trevor is actually one of the coaches. So I want you all to say hi to Trevor. And away we go. A scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. That's the scout law from the Boy Scouts of America. I learned it it a long time ago in the early stages of my journey towards achieving my Eagle Scout. Many of you men know that creed. I saw some of you reciting it back with me just now. Some of you mothers may even know it. You probably spent countless hours helping your sons learn and memorize it. What is it really? Well, it's really fundamentally just a list, a list of honorable character traits. Some of the lines from other Boy Scout creeds have found their, ways into the, found their way into the creeds of other groups and organizations, maybe sometimes the other way around. Creeds like the United States Army Ranger Creed or the Rifleman's Creed the United States Marine Corps. There are others too. These creeds, they all serve many purposes. For some, it's simply a tool used in the training process, a tool used to mold and shape young men and women into a desired outcome. Stand with me as we read from Deuteronomy chapter 11, 18 through 19. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that this morning you would speak to me and speak to us all, about how to be a better father. Using you as our example, I pray, Lord, that we would diligently seek after your character. Pray this this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go and have a seat. So as uh, Pastor Aaron mentioned, I'm Trevor. This is my second time here teaching on Sunday morning. I hope last time I didn't get in God's way. I was here uh, the day after Christmas this last year. Pastor Aaron took off, skedaddled out of town, and needed someone to cover for him. So there I was. Happy Father's Day. I am a father. My wife, Deanna, and I, we have four completely awesome kids. That's them right there. I love being a father. Love it. Seriously. It's one of the greatest joys in my life. Now, today we're going to be covering a lot of material. This sermon's longer than it ought to be. 
So put your seatbelt on and hold on. I want to start by clearing the air a little bit. A sermon like this could easily be taken as though I think I'm some kind of expert, or as though I've figured something special out that you don't know. This could not be farther from the truth. Seriously, I am no expert. As a father, I have to accept that for me to succeed, I cannot do it alone, on my own power. With God, I will finish the race well. Quite often, God uses others in our life to help us along the journey. So come along with me as we take a little journey. So we're talking about creeds this morning. Sometimes a creed really isn't as much about a way of life. Sometimes it's more simple than that. It's simply a list of important things to remember. Back when I was a Boy Scout, we had this list of important things that was required for each scout every time we went on any kind of activity in the outdoors. We called the list the 16 Essentials. It was really just based on a much older, a little bit more popular list used by outdoorsmen of all sorts all over the world. And our scoutmaster had added to that list, expanded on it a little bit. But the principles were not lost. It was a list of essential items that will aid you in a pinch or worse, in an emergency. The original list that I referred to before is called the Ten Essentials. It was developed in the 1930s by the Mountaineers, a hiking and mountain climbing club. It's kind of well known. Many of you probably have heard of the Ten Essentials before. Some of the things on that list, like a map, compass, flashlight, first aid kit, some kind of fire starter, a pocket knife, that sort of thing. Real practical things you're probably going to need when you're in the outdoors. Now these creeds and these lists, they declare that those who adhere to them have standards. The soldier is declaring what he will and will not do. The scout is declaring that as a leader of his peers, he is prepared even to care for them when they're injured with the first aid kit that he brought along. Now the word creed, I'm not going to give you a history lesson, by the way, so if you're freaking out, oh, boring history lesson. I'm not giving you a history lesson on creeds. I'm just talking about them a little bit. The word creed comes from the Latin word credo or credo, which means I believe. Most often, creeds are associated with some kind of religious belief, yet creeds are also sometimes just simple declarations, not unlike our own American Declaration of Independence. A group of people of like-mindedness come together to formulate and agree upon a written document binding the collective to an inclusive statement of belief. In the church, creeds were often created as a means to help fight off heresy or wrong teaching. Some of the church's creeds from history are creeds like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed. Even the Heidelberg Catechism is a creed of of sorts. And really, Martin Luther's 95 Theses is ultimately a creed. Let me read to you from the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, and was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day rose again. He ascended to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, and the communion of saints, and the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and of the life everlasting. Amen. Now, quick wor- quick word on the use of the word Catholic. In the Apostles' Creed, it's lowercase. It's simply a combination of two Greek words, kata, meaning about. 
and holos, meaning whole, about the whole, or collective, or universal. That's all that means. So what's this talk of creeds and catechisms? What's the point? Well, really, creeds are just theology for boots on the ground. Creeds are theology for regular people, like you and me. They're a collection of important ideals for super practical use. They're those things that we absolutely don't want to forget. That's why parents oftentimes will teach their kids various catechisms and creeds as a tool. It helps us get the whole of the gospel etched under their little hearts. Go ahead and turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, please. On your app or in your Bible. The first few verses there, Paul lays out his own little creed. He first first lets us know what a creed is. It's like I've said, it's a restatement of stuff that you already know. Look at verses 1 and 2. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul's reminding the Corinthian church that what he's about to tell them, we're not there yet, but what he's about to tell them, he's already told them. They already agree on it. It's something that, a message that's been preached and they've responded positively to. Now remember, a creed is exactly that, something you've already, you're already supposed to know and agree with. Paul goes on, verses 3 and 4. Here's the point. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Paul restates to them the gist of the Gospel message. And this whole little exercise is the makings of a creed. Now think back to the Apostles' Creed. Some of what Paul says here in, the letter to the, in this letter to the Corinthian church resonates within the Apostles' Creed. That's the point. That's what I'm trying to, that's the lesson we're trying to learn from. So let's follow Paul's example and evaluate some things that we should all agree are important principles of fatherhood. Let's make a creed for fatherhood. But why? You may be asking yourself that, why? What's the point? Well, I have two things. There's many reasons, but I have two that first come to mind. First one is a little bit more personal than the second one. Because I have an 11-year-old daughter out there, and the chances are, quite decent, that she's going to marry one of your sons. And I'm going to be pissed off someday if I have to teach him what you failed to after my princess comes to me one night Because her man-boy's daddy failed to teach him today. The second reason is because God wants us to take these timeless truths from his word and impress them on our hearts, etch them onto our very souls. Deuteronomy 11 again. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children shall. Notice that, shall. Talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. God wants us to take his word and store it in our heart. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do that. We should do that. 
fellow fathers, God also wants us to teach them to our children. I know I fail in this area more often than I ought. Earlier this year, I picked up a children's Bible, uses the ESV text, the same Bible translation we've just switched to here at Element. But it's, a little bit, it's kind of compiled more into a story format. It's quite easy to sit down with the kids and read to them a short story right from the Bible. When they're young, read to them. Read to them all the time from the Bible. Now, as soon as they can read, let one of them read. Read to the family. Let it be an inclusive thing that you all do together. This, is, this little tidbit isn't just for you, it's for me. This sermon is for me that you get to hear about. That's what this is, just so that you know. I know I should do this more and I don't. So come along with me as we try and commit to being better dads. What is this creed of a father? What is a fatherhood creed? We can't really understand the creed, just like with Paul. He didn't start out with the creed. He started out with teaching them something they should all agree upon. We've got to agree to the underlying principles that would make up this creed. Let's take a few minutes and we're going to look at these principles. I've listed them out for us, and I call this list the 15 essentials for fatherhood. And you know, you really can't understand these 15 essentials until you understand that first and foremost, you've got to live in reality. The only way you can do that is to first accept rebuke when it comes and repent in response. You've got to let go of the past and accept where you are today. God has you in your very seat right now because he wants you to live in reality. Now, as you ponder these 15 essentials when we get to them, consider that some of them, if not many of them, may be a little foreign to you. For the workaholic dad, several of these may even be offensive. For the dad secretly addicted to porn or committing adultery, several of these will make you squirm, if not make you sick. Look, there's no room in the company of men. There's no room for cowardice in the company of men being transformed by God. You either man up and accept the rebuke when it comes that you desperately need, that we need, that I need, or you get out of the way so God can have the guy next to you be the surrogate father your children need right now. And when you accept this rebuke, when I accept this rebuke, we've got to be ready to repent. What do I mean by rebuke? Big, fancy, scary church word. Well, I mean confrontation. I mean someone gets in your face and calls you on your crap. I mean you shut up and let a man tell you how it is. You've got to let someone else in close enough so they can see where you sin, where you're wrong, where you screw up. What about repent? Another scary, scary church word. I mean... You turn from the path that you're on and you run the other way. You run towards a loving and forgiving God who died for us so that we can be forgiven. So what's this scandalous list that I'm talking about? These 15 essentials for fatherhood. Well, let's go. First one, loving. First essential of being a good father, the first essential for fatherhood is be loving unconditionally. You've got to be patient. You've got to be compassionate. Psalm 103.13 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. God is our example. He shows compassion to his children, so we ought to as well. There's no li- By the way, there's, there's no real order to these essentials. I didn't want to rank them, but there is some deliberateness in a few of them, starting with being loving. I think I'm emulating our Lord, who starts by loving us first. The second essential for fatherhood is balance. Be a fair disciplinarian, fair and balanced. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, 
but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Set good boundaries. And by the way, your kids are not royalty, okay? Parents who treat their children like little kings and queens are simply replacing Jesus as the Lord of their life with their children. Their wants, their desires do not come before everything else. Another note for you is th- these essentials in your notes, you may, you may notice the, uh, the handouts. There's an asterisk. Asterisk. It's a hard word to say. Those, a- those are the ones that are, that are my struggle, that are my weakness. Um, I don't think they're on the slides, but they're in the handouts. And I want you to know what those are so that I can be honest. These are the areas where I need the Lord's help. The third essential is toughness. It's got an asterisk. You've got to be strong. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Physical health. You've got to be physically fit. This is my weakest essential. Of the entire list we'll look at, this is the one I am most humbled by. How can I encourage my kids to live healthy, be healthy, and struggle with being overweight? I can't. But guess what? I can't hide that one. I can't pretend that it's an addiction hidden at home on the computer. You've got to endure. You've got to have strong endurance. Be willing and capable to endure through rough patches because they're going to come. If they haven't, they're probably knocking at your door right now. The fourth essential is purity. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence... If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. For many years, I failed with this essential. My heart was not pure, and I pursued impurity. You know how God changed me? He used my wife to catch and reveal my sin. Then he had her be like Jesus. The most tangible example of Jesus I'd ever known. She treated me with compassion and forgiveness, and it broke my heart. And that's what he wanted. And that's what I needed. My hard heart to be broken. Continuing on with purity, you've got to be honest. Be honest to your kids. Tell the truth in their presence. When that phone call comes from someone you don't want to talk to, don't have your wife tell them you're not home. Liar. And even worse, don't have your kids cover for you for crying out loud. You've got to have strong integrity. All of these things lead to strong purity. Proverbs 10.9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Be pure. The fifth essential is present. You've got to actually be there. Don't abandon your kids. Don't be a boy who can shave. Be a man. Men do not abandon their children. On top of that, when you're there, you actually have to be there. Does that make sense? You can be there and not be there. Be there! This is also for divorced dads. Deadbeat dads too. You've got to figure out how to be present in your kids' lives. You've got to be there. Look, over 25 million kids are going to go to sleep tonight in a home where their dad does not live. That's over a third of the children in America. Probably extends to the great majority of the Western world. That's a lot of kids. 
Dad, be there in your kid's life. The sixth essential is diligence. You've got to have a strong work ethic. You've got to be willing and able to work hard to care for your family. Proverbs 21.25 says, The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse labor. Sometimes I can be lazy. I know this. Probably leads to the other problem I mentioned before. I shouldn't. You shouldn't. We shouldn't be lazy. So stop it. Pastor Aaron shared a verse with us last week, 1 Timothy 5.8, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let me take a minute real quick to address unmarried men and those men without children. This applies to you also, because you must be preparing yourself for fatherhood even now. Oh, but I don't have a girlfriend, Trevor. I know. Maybe it's because you're still a boy and you're not even a father material yet. Get with it. There's nothing more manly than Jesus. He's the model of masculinity and he loves children and they flock to him. You single guys, are you more interested in hanging with a guy as your top score on Medal of Honor? Or being like Jesus? Be like Jesus. Learn from his example. A number of our young people have been getting married lately and the trend is going to continue for a while. Some of you young guys might actually even be bummed out about your singleness. Single guys, there is nothing more hot to a godly woman than a man who is willing to teach children about Jesus. I see that as a masculine thing. Single guys, listen. I want to let you in on a little secret. Volunteer in the nursery. Why? Why? Well, you get to practice on other people's kids, and that's cool. It's quite helpful for... Folks like me, i got four of them running around. But here's the secret. Are you ready? Guess who's also in the nursery volunteering? Young, single, godly women who aspire to motherhood. There's no other woman worth marrying, guys. You single guys, think about this. Can you picture it here? We've got this young, single guy, this young, single gal, and they're both in the nursery playing with someone else's kids. Oh, hi, he says. Hi. You like kids? Um, yeah. <laughs> Me too. You love Jesus, she asks. You betcha. Me too. Hey, Aaron, I think it's time for a sign-up list for premarital counseling in the back. <laughs> All right, back to the list of essentials for fatherhood. The seventh one is availability. This kind of goes with being present. You've got to be a good listener. Be available. Put down the paper. Put down the Xbox remote. This one's for me. Get off Facebook. Put the laptop down. Put the iPad down. Engage with your kids. Don't check everyone's recent updates when you're at dinner. Just don't do it. That's for me too. Luke 18, 15 through 16 says, Now they were, br- now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. If Jesus can make time for children, so can we. The eighth essential is protection and provision, at all costs. Psalm 32, 7 says, You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. 
God protects those that He loves. So should we. But be careful. Be careful that you're depending on Him for the wisdom and the power. I look at this kind of like an idealized view of a medieval knight. They lived by a code or a creed. They cared for women, the needy, and children, and those in need. And guess what, man? This starts in your home. You've got to be willing and capable to defend your family. Joshua 4.13 says, About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. God ordained that the Hebrews be ready to defend and protect their land. And God ordains that you be prepared and ready to protect your family too. A verse from 1 Timothy again, 5.8, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and he is worse than an unbeliever. Provide for your family. Protect them. Keep them safe. The ninth essential for fatherhood is counselor. Be supportive of your kids. Build them up, men. Gently steer your kids toward good decisions. My daughter and I, we just recently started a book together. She's 11, I think I mentioned. This book is about dating, sexuality, and God's plan for all relationships in our life. Every few chapters, the plan is for her and I to get together on a daddy-daughter date and go, go over it. Actually talk about it. I'm not scared to talk about that stuff, men, and you shouldn't be either. Who do I want her going to for dating advice anyway? Her friends? They don't have a clue either. Now, on this topic, sort of, I want to hit on something that's kind of important and it fits with this message quite well. Have you talked to your kids about sex? If they're over 10 or 11, you've waited too long. I'm not trying to quote a rule on you. I'm just trying to say, get with it and give you an idea of how, if you're on the wrong foot or not. Get off your rear end and be a man. Men, you can't be afraid to talk with your children about sex. Don't put it off on your wife. Don't do it. And it's not a conversation that happens once either, by the way. You go back to it over and over and over again. It happens. It builds. It's over time, okay? If you're not uncomfortable when you're talking to them about it, by the way, you're probably being too vague. Get to the point. Lead your kids towards wisdom. That adds to being a counselor. That's what counselors do. Proverbs 23, 24. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. The tenth essential for fatherhood is loyalty to the whole family. Proverbs 5, 15 through 17. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Now this is Solomon giving some wisdom to his son about marriage. Drink water from your own cistern. If you need it to be spelled out any better than that, come see me afterwards. Be loyal to your family. The 11th essential for fatherhood is be a teacher. Be a moral example. Teaching them by your deeds, not just your words. Psalm 119.11 again, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Teach your children to do right. Now, a side note on this that, that fits quite well. You also have to teach them in the practical areas of life. Fathers, especially with your sons, teach them good hygiene, okay? 
teach your boys not to miss the toilet. I struggle with this. Not the missing the toilet part, but the teaching my boys part. Okay? I'm serious. Pastor James added, Fathers, teach your boys to wear deodorant. Okay? If they're back there in the children's ministry or they go to ministry in the middle of the week, it's probably old enough to be wearing deodorant for crying out loud. Now also, include your, include your kids, your boys and your girls, as little helpers, little apprentices when you're working on projects around the house. When you're working on that repair, now I understand, you're concerned with efficiency, effectiveness, this is going to take a lot longer, uh, they're going to waste resources. Guess what, guys? When you had kids, you gave up on all that to begin with. So when you're working on projects in the house, bring your kids along. Let them waste nails. Let them waste tape. Teach them how to swing a hammer. Teach them the safe and proper use of firearms and other tools. Teach your children these things. It's important. It's in those moments that we learn other important character things. Trust me, it matters. It happens all the time with us, and I'm proud to say that in, those, in that area, I think my kids are doing pretty good. It's important. Moving on, the 12th essential for fatherhood is humility. Admit your mistakes. Ask your children for forgiveness. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Ask for forgiveness when you sin against your children. You do. If you don't realize, you've probably done it already. In fact, I guarantee you've already done it. Ask them for forgiveness when you screw up. Trust me, you will teach them more than you even know. So get over yourself and ask them for forgiveness when you you need to. The the 13th essential for fatherhood is leadership. This is a huge topic and I'm not going to get into it in detail. I'm just going to hit on two parts of it. Be a motivator and a challenger. Push your kids to new achievements. Give them what they need to accomplish something new. And you have to be a good disciplinarian. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Proverbs 23, 13 through 14 says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol or hell. If you don't discipline your kids, you are telling them you do not love them. The 14th essential for fatherhood is plays. Excuse me. Good father enjoys life. Just like God, he delights in his children. Have fun with the family. Plan vacations together. CNN claims that Americans gave up 448 million earned but unused vacation days in 2010. 448 million earned but unused. What's the point of bragging that you've maxed out your vacation bank at work? All that tells me is you don't have fun with your family. And the 15th essential for fatherhood is pastor. Shepherd your kids toward Christ. Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Your home is like a mini church, and you are the pastor, the head, the leader. Lead your children, your family, in a lifestyle of worship. 
Some of you can look to your own fathers as a model for, for many of these essentials. I know that I can. I'm thankful for a father who embodied m- most of these essentials. Your experience wasn't too bad with your dad growing up. You and me, we can relate. But what about those men who had horrible fathers, bad fathers, absent fathers, or no father at all around? Well, my encouragement to you is the same as it is for people who had fathers like me. Look to God the Father. Look to His example. Look to His love. Look to God for how He embodies each and every one of these essentials. Look at the list. How does God not fulfill that? These are character traits of God. Our Lord is the perfect model for each of these essentials that we've listed out here. Let's review them. Loving, balance, toughness, purity, present, diligence, availability, protection and provision, counselor, loyalty, teacher, humility, leadership, plays, and pastor. Our kids need to be absolutely dazzled by the kind of love that would suffer the way Christ suffered Forgive the way he forgives and blesses the way he blesses. Look, I'm not trying to preach to you about being a moral person. I know that this message sounds like a message in morality. I hope that I can caution you against that. That's not my point. Without Christ, that's all you can do is be a moral person. But you will fail. But we all fail. Here's the gist. It's only with Christ that we can hope for success. This whole experience is the exercise of a redeemed father empowered by the Holy Spirit to become the father that God the Father already is. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, then this exercise will be futile. And you're going to experience disappointment. We cannot accomplish anything of value without Jesus. So how do I make this list into a creed? We take the gist of it And we simply recite it back like this. As a father, I will love my children no matter the circumstance. I will balance my toughness with my compassion. I will delight in them, creating a fun and happy home. I will be pure in heart and deed and remain loyal to them. I will lead them as I teach them, as I counsel them, and as I pastor them about God and his gospel. I will actually be there in their lives and remain available to them emotionally and practically. I pledge to provide for their needs and protect them from the dangers in a fallen world. This I will do diligently and with humility, seeking an honest and transparent and forgiving attitude with my children. We cannot accomplish anything, anything of value without Jesus. I want to close with a story of my old blue poncho. It was my, it's real, this is real, my, my old poncho, one of those rain type ponchos, not one that's like weaved. I had worn it through many years of camping and backpacking, mostly with my Boy Scout troop. I'd used it for shelter when earning my Wilderness Survival Merit Badge. It had served me quite well. At the time of this story, I had outgrown the old blue poncho. It was, I was just a bit too big for it, but on this particular trip, my mother was using it. She's a little petite gal. She'd accompanied my dad as he helped lead my Boy Scout troop in climbing Mount Whitney. And if you know Mount Whitney, you know it's a pretty intense hike. It's all uphill on the way up and all downhill on the way back. On the way down, it was raining pretty good, and the group came upon a father-daughter pair. 
The father, he was prepared and dressed well for the rain, but she was not. My parents considered how much farther it would be to the car, and they decided to give the unprepared girl my old blue poncho. The dad tried to pay, but it wasn't necessary. The old blue poncho would go on to serve another young person for who knows how long. Listen, don't be the kind of father who prepares for the storm but cares not for your child. Be the kind of father willing to give even for someone else's child. God in heaven took off his heavenly robe and he came to earth and he weathered the storm of all storms for us. That is his gift to you and me. If you've never met Jesus, look, you need Jesus. If you want to talk or pray with someone about Jesus or anything else, there are going to be some deacons and elders in the back after the service. The band's going to come on back up for a few more songs right now. During these songs, it's when we take communion. We take the broken cracker, which symbolizes Christ's body for us, broken for us. We dip it in the wine or the grape juice, which reminds us of Christ's blood that was shed for you and I. It's an act of worship. And we also worship God through our giving. We, put, we got offering boxes on the side walls and in the back. You can put your offerings in there. We, we, also, we give because God has given so much for us. It's another act of worship. We also worship by leading our children to Jesus, men. We worship Him, him by being the Father, the man that He has called us to be. Uh, here at Element, we also worship worship God in our gospel community groups. When we meet for prayer, when you meet for lunch, when you meet for study, when we go over to each other's houses and we do yard work, we're worshiping God. If you're not in a gospel community group, come talk to me or talk to somebody with a lanyard. We can help find one where you fit. And this morning we'll also worship and fellowship after, after the service. There's some food and drink in the back. Head back there and meet somebody new. Let's pray. Good God, I pray this morning you would help us to be better fathers, that you would make us to be better fathers, that you would turn us into the kind of fathers that emulate the kind of father you are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.